Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast, and we're back. We have had a few weeks, uh, actually a couple of months, that we took a little pause uh, break from recording, and I'll talk a little bit about why that happened, because it does actually relate to some of the things that we're talking about today. Habits, uh, automations, routines, things that come uh, along with accountability and We'll get into that in a moment. I do want to mention up front that if you are interested in being a guest on this show, you can go to yesiworkfromhome.com forward slash podcast and you'll find a button for guests, guest interviews. And there's two places. You can either fill out the form if you want to be a guest yourself or if you want to recommend someone, there's another form for that. I uh, just take a few pieces of information about what you do, uh, where you work, if you want to be uh if you want to be a little bit generic or uh, general about who you work for, you don't have to say specifics. You don't have to say where you work. If you do, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to sell something, uh, there is some space for that. We definitely spend most of the time talking about your own work uh, routines, your habits, your setup, your your flow of work, and how you have made working from home work for you. Uh, we talk a little bit about household routines and how you fit that into your day or how you avoid them so that you don't get distracted. Um, so yeah, we're talking about routines today and I am here by myself. I do not have a guest and that's fine because I have a lot to talk about. Uh, <laughs> so I have learned a lot about routines and habits in the last few weeks and part of it has been quite intentional. Uh, is actually one of the things that I wanted to commit to studying more because part of the thing that I'm going to be or that I am in the in the midst of uh, implementing right now is some help for people who want to improve their their work from home habits, their work from home routines. And I do want to make sure that there's a distinction between habits and routines because there is. So I have learned a lot. Um, one of the things that I've learned recently is that um, habits are something that people usually develop over time. It's something that starts as a as a routine that you do intentionally, uh, specifically, that you made a decision about. And then eventually, those things kind of fade into the background of your mind, and they become more automatic. Uh, I like to think of it as working under the low power. Um, <laughs> like your phone, it goes into the low power mode, and it's still working, but you're, it's not working as hard. So your brain doesn't have to work as hard to do a habit. And eventually, it almost can become subconscious. Uh, some people might argue that it is subconscious or, um, you know, some compulsion type things. Uh, but let's talk about habits as they're generally accepted. Things that started as a routine became a habit, which means that you don't have to think very hard to do them. And sometimes you might not have to think at all. You just find yourself, oh, well, I did that thing. <laughs> or did I do that thing? I can't even remember. So, one of the reasons that I did take a break from the podcast for a couple months is because I needed to focus a little bit on some of my health issues. I have some chronic injuries and uh, chronic inflammation, some stress things that have happened. Uh, long story over the, <laughs> it would take a long story to explain it. So um, I've been in a few accidents and um, I've, I've worked in some rather strenuous environments as far as uh, working on the computer for a long time. In the past, I was a waitress. I used my arms and hands a lot. I was a potter and uh, I mentioned a pianist, right? So <laughs> I I have used my hands strenuously in a, for a long time. And then I've also developed a few bad habits about the way I sit, the way I hold myself. Um, and it's actually only been in the last couple of years that I've really identified some of the things that I have done for so many years that probably have com contributed to where I'm at now. So I have big knots on my shoulders and I have to go through physical therapy. Uh, I did just resume a physical therapy program recently and uh, I started it right before the pandemic. And, you know, I'm recording this at the beginning of 2021. So February, end of January, 2020, I had an injury. My, my little boy was trying to get off of his bed or I was helping him get off of his bed to get up for school in the morning. And he wanted to swan dive back onto the bed and I put my arm out and I was like, uh-uh, buddy, you're going to stay here, you know, stand up. And he jumped basically on my shoulder and uh, several weeks of 
of painful <laughs> rehab for that. It was not fun. So, but some of them are chronic things that I have done and that I'm having to basically recognize that I've done to try to undo some of the damage that I've done to my body. Um, for instance, I often sit with one foot up under my chair with the other foot extended. And I think some of that comes from, well, actually, I can pinpoint it back to when I was about 14 years old. I was in a quizzing thing. Um, you've heard of quiz bowls and things like that. And the one that we had was um, rather than using like a buzzer to answer the question, we would sit on this little pad thing, I guess. It was like electronic sensors in there. And when we jump up, that would be the first person that could get up and answer the question. Uh, and the way that I stood, I always had one foot out and one foot behind me to be able to pounce up and get ready to answer my question or quote this long passage of whatever. So, and then when I started playing piano or when I was playing piano during those years, I always had one foot out for the pedal and then another foot back. I don't know why, but to support myself, I find myself driving the same way. And then when I started doing the transcription, it was the same thing. Again, that pedal where we would put our foot out and uh, that would be the play and the stop, pause, and you push your foot down, it'd be play. If you put your foot to the right side or the left side, it would rewind or forward and, or yeah, forward. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. So I have just adapted this posture of always having one foot in front of me and one foot behind me. And I'm 42 years old. Another thing that happened is I had nine younger brothers and sisters and being the good big sister that I was, I often was holding one, um, my mom started having more children around the time uh, when I was nine, there was the third kid and I was, you know, helping and I had a lot of, I took pride in the responsibility that I had to help my mom and, you know, feeding her and stuff. And so I wanted to be the big sister. It was fun to hold a kid. Then my mom remarried after my dad died. We had seven more siblings. And so there was just pretty much always a brother or sister on my hip. Um, and I don't regret that. That was, you know, a wonderful experience in many ways. I think that I came to terms with the fact that we were going to have a big family around the time I was 14 <laughs> and, and just, I'm looking at the picture of my family as I am talking. So, um, yeah, but I always had that kid on my left hip. And when I had my own children, eventually years on the line, I had that already built in. I guess, you know, when your dominant hand is your right hand, you're more likely to hold the heavy things with your left hand. So I've heard. Um, I haven't verified that, but I think that we have a tendency to do some of the more fine motor things with our right hand and, you know, the bigger... Uh, I mean, if I had a kid on my hip and holding with my left hand, it would still free me up to use my right hand for writing and texting or whatever I would need. So anyway, I'm a little lopsided and it's coming out and we're getting better and I'm feeling a little bit better. And it's funny because I lost quite a bit of weight a few years ago. Uh, after I had my kids, I recognized, okay, I've built some eating habits and patterns from, you know, I was breastfeeding for a long time and you have to keep up your um, milk supply. And in my mind, I told myself, you know, I can't lose too much weight because if I lose too much weight, I won't be able to feed my babies. And I was working from home during those years. And one of the things I really didn't want to have to do was pump. So I know that's a really big part of a lot of mom's lives, but that wasn't one of mine. I was able to just nurse my babies when I needed to. And then that there wasn't any, there weren't any bottles. There wasn't anything else. So I think I was always nervous that if I didn't eat enough and keep up my milk supply that I would have to start this new routine that took a lot of time and I didn't want to have to do. So I continued to eat to maintain that. Um, one of the habits that I started with um, eating and gaining that weight that I had uh, came around the time that I was pregnant with my first daughter. And my own mother, I just mentioned she had a lot of kids. She vomited throughout her pregnancies. And I hope this isn't triggering for anyone because I know that could be traumatic for people who have hyperemesis. Uh, but I didn't actually ever have that happen to me. And I was always able to stave off the, the urge to vomit by eating a little bit of something, usually carbs. I craved crackers. I usually keep a few things in my purse just in case I started to feel like I was going to throw up. Um, 
thankfully, I didn't have that same problem that my mom did, but then it turned into a different problem. So um, I lived in a city that had two Krispy Kreme donuts stores and was drive throughs And, you know, if I started to feel a little gross and like I might have to barf when I was driving through town, I would swing through the drive through and then it turned into a thing that I would just do. Sometimes I would crave it and I would go out and find it. But, um, you know, they talk about when you're driving that sometimes you can kind of go onto autopilot and just all of a sudden find yourself like, oh, I guess I got myself all the way to work. I must have checked out for about five minutes, which is very scary to think about. Like, was I paying attention to the road as I was driving or what? Um, but sure enough, I would find myself back at, back at Krispy Kreme Donut. And so it began. I had three kids and I lived in the same city with the Krispy Kreme Donuts for two of them. The other kid, I lived in a different city and they had Krispy Kreme Donuts at the grocery store. I could go buy them in a box um, and I just supplemented with candy and and other bad things. So um, one thing that I am focused on right now is not shaming myself. Uh, I have done that in the past plenty enough. Uh, for a while, I would make myself wear the clothes that were just too small to just make myself be smaller. And I, I'm not there right now. I don't want to, I don't want to have that negative self-talk all the time right now. So right, right now, what I'm focused on is being healthier and if that means spending more time outside and uh, changing the routine for my kids' school so that we can be outside more to get a little bit more exercise, especially right now, the weather in Arizona is gorgeous. It's the early March month and or it's the it's early March right now. And we are in just like the height of beauty. Uh, we are mid 70s or low low <laughs> mid 70s mid 70s low 80s i brought the kids to the swimming pool yesterday uh, we have a little pool in our community that i brought them to and and it's gorgeous so i want to make the most of that so um one of the things that is a little bit confusing when you're learning about habits is that some people think that you you can turn anything to a habit and that's where i think some people get a little confused about what habits are so the other day I was reading and I, I came across this article. I actually think I even Googled, are habits the same thing as routines or something like that? And I, I came up with this article, nearandfar.com, N-I-R and A-N-D-F-A-R.com. And I really appreciated how uh, this author made a distinction between habits and routines. Um, they said that habits can initially be a routine that requires concentration, but eventually those um, things became become a little bit more uh, subconscious. Uh, but routines never really can become a habit because, or some routines can never become a habit because they always require concentration. Um, for instance, writing. Uh, if you want to journal more, you can make a habit of picking up your journal but the routine of actually writing that journal is going to be um, different, a different category. Your brain processes some routines and habits differently. By definition, behaviors that require concentration, deliberation, or extended effort are not habits. I think that's really interesting. So basically, things that you can that you find yourself procrastinating often, uh, cleaning working, uh, writing, exercising. If you're, if you're routinely procrastinating that thing, that means it's not something that's really a habit. Um, and one of the ways that I thought about this is that when I go to the gym, I can make it a habit to drive a certain route every day and see that gym and pull into the, I can turn it into the thing where I pull into the, uh, parking lot and walk in. But that is uh, something that I have to make a conscious effort of doing for the most part. Like if it's something that I could routinely forget or find a, a something to, to replace it with, um, it's not turn is not going to be a habit. So getting into the gym is going to have to be a routine, something that you're going to have to have a different motivation for. Uh, once I get into the gym, I could kind of go on uh, semi autopilot and start, you know, I always am going to go into the, into the 
I don't know, I'm into the changing room and then I'm going to walk out and I'm going to go to this machine and I'm going to start working through this thing. But there is definitely um, some thoughts that goes into it and I don't currently have a gym routine because of the pandemic. Um, Though when I do go to the gym, I definitely have a few things that I automatically will go to first. There's certain things I will never get to and other things I will always do. Um, Another thing that I usually think of when I'm thinking about habits is, like I mentioned, driving. Um, You know, they say that when you learn how to drive, everything takes a lot of effort. You're thinking about, oh my gosh, how do I even put it into reverse? And you're, you know, having to remember all of the things that you were just taught in driver's ed. Hopefully you went through driver's ed. Uh, And eventually, you know, I've been driving for more than half of my life now, so a lot of it does become something that I can uh, I can do without having to think too hard. I'm definitely focused on safety, making sure that I have my seatbelt on, but that has turned into a habit. I always wear my seatbelt. Um, even when I'm driving from my, um, I have a mailbox about half a block away from my, my house. I put my, I do have to think about that sometimes like, oh, I'm almost home, but no, I am gonna make this uh, a forced routine or a forced habit. Um, I'm going to wear my seatbelt every time. Um, Chewing. Obviously, some people are more prone to like some chewing behaviors than others. Um, I'm I'm kind of changing the gear. I'm thinking about my daughter right now. Um, She has had a few habits that she's broken that were really pretty ingrained. And it's pretty remarkable how effectively she was able to stop those habits. We've got one more that we're going to work on. Um, but chewing is one that, um, comes to mind. Some people chew their fingers and that's one that I've always had. I don't chew my fingernails, but I chew that little skin on the side of your nails. Um, and it's probably the sort of thing that I kind of pick at without thinking about. Uh, something that I've learned from near and far is that habits are something that you do that's so ingrained that you feel uncomfortable if you don't do it. Um, routines you can, you can skip and you're like, whew. Or you might feel bad about it, but it's not like an uncomfortable feeling. So um, the thing that my daughter gave up was really amazing. When she was about three months old, she started sucking on her fingers. And at first we were like, oh, built-in pacifier. We were on a 15-hour road trip uh, from Missouri to Pennsylvania to see some friends. And I think it was to go visit some schools. And my daughter was really quiet most of the trip. And we were like, wow, this is awesome. Our three-month-old baby is like chilling. And we realized that she had her fingers in her mouth and she was just happily sucking away. And when we get back, we were like, wow, best habit ever. <laughs> no. um, we, were, we were a little bit nervous about, well, hopefully, you know, we can break that. We never wanted to give our kids pacifiers because we were weren't sure if it would be easy enough to get rid of um, the pacifier, but actually getting rid of your fingers is even harder because they're still attached to your body. (laughs) So uh, a friend of mine who was a finger sucker in a past life, she, she said that the thing that worked for her is they, I think they gave her a tea guard, which is, there's a product it's called tea guard. And they also have finger guards. Some kids end up sucking usually one or two fingers, two fingers, I think is really common. So usually the first two fingers or the middle two fingers. And my daughter was, um, the middle two finger sucker. She sucked her middle finger and her ring finger for six years straight. Um, basically without stopping. And she was a verbal child when she was little, she could talk. And when she was two years old, we were like, okay, Two-year-olds sometimes suck their fingers, but it's going to hurt your teeth and your mouth, and we want to help you to stay clean because a lot of things that you touch are really um, yucky, and we don't want to have you putting germs in your body. So when you're three, we think you're going to be done sucking on your fingers. Well, she wasn't done. She wasn't done when she was four or five either, and when she turned six, it was still going strong. Um, But we had had enough conversations with her by that point, I think, that she became ready to make that conscious decision to, to try to change her life, but, um, change her life, which for a six-year-old, it really is a big life change. If that's, you know, a way that she was soothing herself. Fast forward, we have learned that, um, the same daughter had some spine issues. And when, uh, we saw her x-rays, the doctor said, oh, 
she's probably been feeling really cruddy most of her life. And the reason that she's sucking her fingers is probably a soothing thing for her. Um, he used bigger words than I'm going to use right now. But um, so when she did stop sucking her fingers, we did use that tea guard. And it was sort of thing where I thought maybe she wouldn't wear it at school. I thought she would maybe would only be willing to wear it to bed. And that was obviously one of the places where she stuck her fingers the most and the longest, but um, she was ready. It was, it was cool because I think that she had finally gotten to the point where she was like, I can see that I have this issue and I'm ready to do something about it. And so she's like, no, I'll wear it to school too. And it took three weeks. Uh, I think the product, they usually say that for most cases, it takes four to six weeks. And we thought we would be like the eight weekers. And it was pretty amazing. She was able to stop sucking because that guard actually created like um, kind of a wind tunnel. So when you suck on your fingers or a pacifier, you have like that solid stop. Like it's just, there's no air coming through. And so um, sucking with the tea guard on is like sucking through an empty straw um, and not having, you know, anything coming out. So it's just like, you know, really uh, unpleasant actually. So it was effective. Now she did, you know, continue to sometimes put things in her mouth. We'd see her, um, she doesn't really like to chew gum because, uh, I think that one of the ingredients makes her stomach a little bit upset, but we'd be like, can you just chew normal things? Like, I think we even got her a little toy at one point, but overall we've stopped. Her hair ended up in her mouth for a long time and that stopped. Um, it's kind of cool. I think, I think, I think I said the right thing at one point. When I was younger, I wanted to pierce my ears. And I know that's something that she's talked about a few times. And I said, when I can see that you're able to stop chewing your hair, we'll know that you're ready to get your ears pierced. And I think she stopped pretty quick. And I think I had a similar experience when I was about the same age. I was cracking my knuckles really often, probably driving my mother and my teacher a little bit up the wall. So we... uh Someone, I think a friend actually just told me one day, oh, if you keep cracking your knuckles, they're going to get so big that you'll never be able to wear rings. And then you wouldn't be able to wear a wedding ring if you ever got married. And I was like, what? <laughs> Which, of course, that's not true. At least I don't think it is. I don't know the scientific uh, background there. But um, I learned later that that probably wasn't true. But it actually helped me quit cold turkey. And I think that some people do have a very powerful ability to quit something cold turkey, you know, you hear of people who gave up drinking or smoking overnight cold turkey. And, uh, you know, there's withdrawal with that, uh, definitely. But oftentimes, if people don't replace that habit with something that they, you know, get that similar reward from that they got from the first thing that they had, um, it often comes back. So uh, it's one thing to have the willpower to stop for a week or two weeks is another thing to have a sustained change in life. So um, one of the things I read a book the other day by Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business. Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business. Now, this book is about, I want to say, seven years old. And I really appreciated a lot of things in there. Uh, I agreed with most of it, but there are a few things that I would probably, you know, mention in a review. Uh, I think he used the word habit and routine interchangeably a few times. And um, I don't know if things that people do in their sleep when they're sleepwalking would necessarily be considered a habit. I had a little bit of an argument about that in my mind, at least. Um, but his writing style reminded me a lot of one of my other favorite authors, who is Malcolm Gladwell. I have books over here. Malcolm Gladwell wrote The Tipping Point, and he really does well with finding very interesting stories, very interesting stories, and combining them with really interesting research. And I like that. I'm like the nerd who is like reading like all of the footnotes and, um, you know, really checking out all the resources in the back. So uh, really enjoyed that book and learned a lot about myself. It gave me a lot to talk about with my family at the dinner table. And, you know, as I, as I see me working on some of my own habits, I think that they, you know, will consider some of their own as well. Um, but one of the things that this book by Charles Duhigg talks about is that when you have something that you have started to automate in your life. So I'm not sure if I said this already or not, but one of the things I think about when I think of habits is something that you had to think about, you made the decision, you, you started, and then 
your brain uses a little bit less power every time you do it. Uh, if you did it 20 times, um, you don't have to like consciously make every motion. If you do it 100 times, at some point, you know, they say you could do it in your sleep. And there are some people who literally do sleepwalk and have gotten in and driven a car because there's certain things that your brain stores in a different part of your memory uh, that you can almost do subconsciously. And driving can become one of those things. Um, obviously, chewing, walking, the way we eat, the way we wash our hands and brush our teeth. Um, a lot of those routines become something that really require a little effort from our brain. And that allows our brain to be freed up to do thinking or talking. Um, now that I know how to drive a car safely, I can listen to a podcast and concentrate on, you know, what I'm listening to as well as being safe on the road. Um, when I was a pianist, you know, I would have to work really, really, really hard to learn a new song. Play it 20 times, play it 100 times, play it 500 times. And I could do it with my eyes closed. Now, I can't do that anymore. But um, so how does this relate to working from home? Let's talk about that a little bit. Because I work in my home, I have constant access to the things in my home. And so definitely the things that I do with work are kind of married with the things that I do in my home. So when I go to my break room, it's my kitchen, and I go downstairs and I have a few things that I can do that will make me healthier, wiser, smarter person. And I have a few things that I could get into that would affect my productivity. When I was working at Mayo Clinic, they had some rules about things that I could and couldn't do with my computer that belonged to them. Um, my computer was facing um, the walkway. So my computer screen was visible to anyone who was walking by, including my managers and um my boss, the, the the doctor that I worked for. And so I was pretty motivated to do well, you know, to not be caught doing things that I shouldn't be doing, which probably happened a few times too. Um, I remember one time I was writing a really, really long email to a friend and my supervisor came up to me and she's like, I noticed that you've been working on this email for a really long time. And it was very obviously not in the same program as we used emails for um, from our, um, for the company. <laughs> so I, I was caught. Um, but there's definitely a peer pressure, motivation, um, you know, society, you know, puts some things on us that we'll be more likely to conform to when we are, you know, knowing that we're being watched. Uh, I logged into a computer that had a big reminder every single day that says your access is being monitored. And I knew that the managers and the higher ups would have the power to review my emails or to see what kind of app, um, applications I was using on the computer. Um, they had a lot of time management type things that they could track. And I'm sure that probably came into my productivity and my um, my ability to get a raise. So money, management. My time management was related to, you know, the idea of like, I might not get a raise if they catch me doing something that I shouldn't do. Now, at some point, they said, hey, we don't want anyone using Facebook anymore on work time. And then one day when we broke the internet, when uh, I think Michael Jackson died, and I don't think that I probably cared as much about some of the pop culture things as other people did, but that was one of the days that the uh, management came back and they're like, hey, um, we weren't able to like have enough we were we didn't have enough power to do all of the systems that we needed to do for like taking care of our patients today because people were focused on the news and that takes up a lot of um bandwidth as far as like running video and everything so like sorry but you can't watch the news or read the news anymore on your work computer and that was a little bit before everyone had smartphones and so uh definitely they probably saw a boost in productivity at that time now working from home I don't have anyone that can see over my shoulder and see what I'm working on. Um, when I was working for Mayo Clinic from home, I still was using their computer that still had that login, you know, notification and everything. But when I went away from that, now I have um, my own computer and my own time. And so there has been some adjustment in there. And that's one reason why I'm getting really interested in reading about productivity and habit building, because those are some things that I've read about a lot over the years, but I am still working through for myself. I'm an adult educator. I know what I should do, but do I do it? 
I worked for Mayo Clinic for many years. I know what I should eat and how I should exercise, but do I do it? And so there are a few ways that I've worked on over the years that have helped me develop some better habits. And now that I'm trying to become a lot more aware of them, um, making even more habit changes and routine changes is is going well, Uh, but it's a work in progress. So at the beginning of the year, I don't generally like to do like New Year's resolutions, but at the beginning of the year, I committed to myself that two of the things I wanted to focus on a little bit more for this upcoming year, knowing that we would still be in the pandemic and that, you know, we might not be able to have our normal life back yet. Uh, But one of the things I wanted to do was to focus a little bit on my stress. And I, I love my family. I love my job. I love what I do. I love what I do with you. I love this podcast. But there are a lot of things that are still stressful in my life. And one of the things that I've noticed that really helps me to calm down and to feel good is to take a bath. So I said, I'm going to try to take more baths. Maybe not every day, but just more often than I do. I generally take a shower. Um, But that's not as relaxing to me. A shower is wonderful. Um, you know, especially being that I do have some of these muscle issues, like having that water beating on my shoulders is wonderful. Um, another thing I wanted to commit to doing more is reading. And with that, I want to read more about the things that I'm helping people through. So I, I already consider myself to be, you know, pretty well versed in a lot of these things. I talk with these experts, I read about them, I spend a lot. My kids are like, why don't you like to play video games, mom? And I'm like, I have other things that are consuming my time. And I really enjoy researching these topics, um, you know, or learning more about people who work from home who have experiences that are different than mine. But I want to read more about productivity, habit building, you know, good, good things like that. Uh, I picked up a Stephen Covey book, He's the author of The Seven Habits um, of Highly Effective People. And then I have another book by him. And oh, gosh, I don't think I can remember the name of it. But it was like stories relating to the seven habits of highly effective people. I don't generally gravitate toward nonfiction books. Honestly, I prefer fiction 99% of the time. But as an educator and as someone who is a lifelong learner, I do know that is something that's important. So I have gone ahead and found, thankfully, used copies of some of these books. Um, I actually even asked in my Buy Nothing group that I um, got some of the games for our game schooling, for homeschooling through. I said, hey, does anyone have a copy of this very old and popular book? And sure enough, someone had one and gave it to me. And then someone said, oh, I have the other book by the author and gave that to me. So I haven't had to put a lot of money for those things. And by the way, If you're not into the habit of reading, not really. If you're not into a routine of reading, remember people pour hours, like years of their, of their knowledge into a book. And I really appreciate that. We are in an era of, you know, buy this and we're launching this new thing. And, and, and I am too, like definitely there is an element to this. uh, Yes, I work from home business that will be you know, paid. If someone wants to have extra support, um, that is available. Um, But for the most part, a lot of things that we can learn, they don't always have to come from a one-on-one mentor or uh, coaching group or something like that. Sometimes you can learn something from a book. Now, (laughs) that being said, some things are easier to learn and to implement than others. And Habits, good habits are something that we can do automatically um, and bad habits that we want to let go of and replace that might need some more support. So there's definitely a time and a place for having additional support. Um, We're talking about routines and routines are something that might need encouragement. Those are the things that we want to procrastinate that we feel guilty about, but we, we don't want to change. And so we sometimes we don't unless we have an external or intrinsic motivation. So uh, having someone who can help keep accountability is definitely um, really pertinent to this whole lifestyle change. All right. So let's talk a little bit about some of the work habits that people have developed. I was talking a little bit about my posture with how I'm sitting. Earlier, I had one foot under me and one 
I always had a kid on my hip, so one foot was forward and one foot was behind um, when I was sitting. Um, I was lopsided. I was talking about that. Um, another thing that I have noticed over the years is that I don't stand up enough. Um, some people might have to more often for other reasons, like maybe you have a smaller bladder than I do, um, and or other like a dog that you need to get let out. But sometimes if I'm focused, I will stay sitting for a very, very long time and not move. And part of it is the nature of my work. Sometimes I'm back to back with appointments or meetings or teaching. Um, when I teach ESL, sometimes the meetings are 25 minutes and sometimes they're 45 minutes, but we often will run towards the end where I'll be using the extra couple of minutes I'd have in between classes to do what we call feedback, uh, kind of report on what um, happened and what we learned about and how they did and what we can continue working on. So rather than, you know, taking that five minutes that I have in between classes, sometimes I'll just sit and take care of that report so that I don't forget it. Uh, I do have some attention problems at times. Um, you can probably tell from the nature of my meandering conversation, uh, <laughs> trying to get back to the to the point. But um, sometimes if I don't take care of that report immediately, I only have 12 hours to get to it or one of the other companies gives me 24 hours. But if I don't get to it immediately and I get on with my day and my kids are, you know, demanding, you know, a lot of time and energy for me, uh, that 12 hour mark might roll past and I'll be like, oh, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning for nothing. Uh, I'm not going to get paid for that thing that I just did. So that's no fun. And so I told myself, no, you can't leave your computer until you're done. And for the most part, I, if I if I stick to that uh, little, you know, self-talk that I have, you know, I won't get paid unless I do this now. Um, that helps me stick to it. Um, but when I sit for so long, I'm more likely to get stiff. I'm more likely to get sore. And my muscles are more likely to get all balled up. And an ergonomic specialist taught me about a year ago. He said, April, every single time... Your computer is making you wait for something. If your page is taking a moment to load or you're downloading something or the little beach ball is spinning or whatever it is, just go ahead and stretch back in your chair. Put your arms out and just lean back as far as you can. Now, it does help to have a chair that can stretch like that. Um, you know, to have an ergonomic chair, one of the things that they recommend, not just like a height positioning, but also the ability to be flexible. Your back needs to stretch. And oh my goodness. So sometimes I do it while I'm teaching. I'm sure it looks a little unprofessional. Um, you might even see me do it sometimes while I'm recording if you're watching the video. But it's important because I cannot live a life where I constantly am in pain. If my uh, neck gets, if my, it's actually really interesting how it works. If my hips are not aligned, then it affects up my spine, into my shoulders, into my neck, and then I get headaches. Um, but it can also hurt it from the top down. So if, I, if I'm using my arms wrong, if, I, um, if I've broken my keyboard, which has happened before, and I had to start typing on my computer uh, keyboard up higher, um, oftentimes I keep my monitor height just a little bit lower than eye level. Um, they, some people say eye level. The ergonomic specialist told me lower than eye level because otherwise you're really exercising um, straining a lot of the little muscles around the sides of your eyes. Um, so humans tend to prefer things a little bit lower than eye level. Um, so I think that the whole eye level thing is like a maximum of eye level is where the top of your monitor should be. And that's about where I put my, um, my camera. So if I have um, my arms up on my little tiny MacBook Pro and I'm typing, I am just like, ah, my muscles are screaming. So I, there's some things that you can do that are intentional uh, as far as your posture. You can position yourself so that you're most likely to type in a safe position as far as your muscles are concerned. Um, you know, some of these are very intentional decisions that you have to make for your office. Um, and you could have the perfect ergonomic setup and still have issues if you don't get up and leave your desk, if you don't get up and... Um, or even just stretch your eyes. <laughs> Did you know that that's the thing? Um, I've, I've probably talked about it before, but if my door is open, I can see into my bathroom and I can see my bathtub. I can see my wall and I should probably put like a clock or something up there or like something interesting to look at <laughs> um, to remind myself to look. 
Um, I think building habits comes a lot. Uh, one of the things that really helps build habits is to just remind yourself of why um, something hurts you or something helps you. Um, I think it was the near and far website that talked about how a lot of habits are um, avoiding pain or avoiding discomfort. So if I tell myself the reason I need to drink my green smoothie is because it makes me feel better, um, that's pretty effective. If I tell myself eating ice cream makes me hurt, that's also effective. Um, I mean, obviously ice cream is delicious, but I have learned over the course of a few months and years that my body hurts when I eat certain things. Um, we found out that one of my kiddos is gluten intolerant, uh, very, uh, like almost to the level of celiac, and she probably gets that from me. I haven't had the tests. She has, but we're both working together at changing our diet. Um, it makes it a lot easier when we don't have all of the things in the house that, um, you know, we would routinely go to. Um, when I walk into my kitchen, I have a habit of opening the, the refrigerator door. And I have a habit of looking around for the thing that is easiest to eat. So one of the things that I've had to build into my routine is making a green smoothie. You know, I thought that I brought it up to show you uh, for those of you that are watching the video, but I didn't. I did bring coffee instead. Um, but I have a green smoothie that I've made. I've probably talked about it a lot. Um, but the reason I like this one specifically is because the magnesium and the spinach that I throw in there, it's a lot of spinach, by the way. Uh, really does help my muscles to feel better. Um, you can soak in a Epsom salt bath and that can soothe your muscles. But if you're taking that magnesium internally, it also can kind of help from the inside out. Uh, it can soothe other things as well. Um, your, I wanted to say emotions. I'm not sure if that's right, but it's, it's calming. So I do feel a little less anxious at times if I have had that smoothie regu regularly and I didn't realize um, that that was an effect that it had until I stopped for months and months and months. And I was like, why am I just kind of feeling a little bit more edgy or crabby all the time? And I don't know even how I learned, but at one point someone said, oh, magnesium is really helpful for um, anxiety and um, also it can help calm your muscles. If you're having a lot of tension, it can help both at the same time. And I was like, wow. So there's a product called Calm that you can go and get, you know, I think they sell it at Costco. I think they sell it at like our... Uh, local sprouts stores at a local food market here. Um, I think nationwide actually, but um, so I can put it into my tea, mix it up nice and hot, and it doesn't bubble. If you want, if you like fizzy drinks, you can put it in cold. It's kind of like um, fizzy. I don't really like that feeling. But um, another thing that I have learned is that I had been drinking a lot of coffee, and. Coffee can make some people also edgy. <laughs> it can make some people um, irritable and, you know, a little jumpy at times. And I think that I'm probably one of those people. So what I figured out is that I had uh, a mug. It was my favorite mug. I don't know why I like it so much, but it was huge. And I would just fill it up. And I have other mugs of different sizes, and I would fill those up too. I usually fill everything to about, I don't know, three quarters of an inch from the top. And then I top it off with some cream or I was putting um Taroni's how do you say it the the sugary syrups in and so I would leave enough room to add a bunch of milk or some cream or some sugar uh sugary syrups or something like that into chocolate even and it was delicious and I would just drink the whole thing um this is actually going back a little ways but when I first got married my husband would make me coffee and it was kind of a thing because uh, I didn't really like the taste of coffee and he really did. And so I would sometimes drink tea and sometimes drink coffee. Well, when we got married, I started noticing I was having a lot of headaches, like ridiculous number of headaches, but only on certain days of the week. It took me about six years to figure out that I was actually having caffeine withdrawal. So I would work three days on the weekend and have four days off. And I would have four days of headaches in between. And I never made the association. I don't know how I didn't. Um, but that I was having a caffeine withdrawal. Because I wouldn't drink coffee on my days off of work. Because I don't like it. Well, over the years, I was starting to drink coffee regularly to try to avoid the headaches. And I would fill up the cup all the way to the top. And I wanted to have that consistent amount. Because if I fluctuated in any way, it would affect my headaches. I'm pretty sensitive to them. So I'm in the process of weaning myself off of coffee. Um, after 
being married to a coffee lover for 11 years, I do kind of like the smell of it and um, won't lie. Maybe a little bit the taste, um, but I think I mostly like the cream and the sugar the most. Um, so this is kind of funny, but I uh, have very, very, very gradually weaned myself off. I learned if I kept the mug the same, um, I would be able to get the same amount of coffee and be able to avoid headaches. So here is my little baby mug. Um, this mug probably holds about one fluid cup, one cup um, in the English measurement. And I am, I measured this one. I have this semi-huge mug here and I measured it this morning and I put two and a half cups of fluid in here and I was like, wow, that's a big difference. Whoops. So if I'm using my huge cup, um, I am more likely to have a major headache uh, if I switch to the smaller cup. So I started using measuring cups to measure how much coffee I'm drinking every day. Uh, I was measuring out a cup and a half um, down to a cup. I would gradually wean myself down um, about, I don't know, a quarter cup every week or two. This is a third cup. Um, and I'm currently down to about a quarter cup of coffee. And so I do have these mason jars. Uh, this one holds I think it's eight fluid ounces. Is that right for one cup? And if I fill it up one quarter of the way from the bottom, that is equal to one quarter cup. Um, and then I add some coconut milk. Um, so this looks like it's probably a little bit more than a third of a cup or half, including the milk. And if I um, pour it into my very small mug, I know I'm pouring it for the video. It's not very much coffee in there. Like, I'm still really at the bottom of this little tiny kid mug. It's my Peter Rabbit mug that I we got when I was pregnant with my second kid. I've learned that if I put my coffee into the smallest mug that I have, that I don't feel like I'm being left out. Uh, you know, I'm still getting my coffee experience. Uh, if I put this tiny amount of coffee at the bottom of my two and a half cup mug, I would definitely feel like I'm being... Uh, denied something wonderful. So anyhow, let's chat a little bit about the difference between automations and routines. So an automation is something that you can build into your day or into your business that is going to happen for you, but it's something that you had to set up. Uh, it's not necessarily something that happens automatically, like a habit can uh, do, but automation is something that you are, um, it's a system that you've put in place. Now, I have a few habits that I'm trying to break with an automation. Um, I have a extension on my Chrome browser. I've mentioned it a few times called Newsfeed Eradicator. There are others similar to it, but I have a habit of if I'm feeling a little bit bored or a little itchy, like I want to see what's going on in the world, I still go to Facebook. Um, maybe that means I'm old. I know there's newer and cooler um, social media programs up there now, but um, Facebook is still where it's at for a lot of people, and I'm one of them. So I had a habit of just going to Facebook every day. And now I have a blocker. So basically the newsfeed eradicator will stop me from just mindlessly scrolling through that newsfeed. Uh, I can still use it for business. I can still search um, and see my notifications. It can, I can go down the rabbit trail for a few minutes, but I'm stopped by the fact that seeing that uh, newsfeed where just is constant scrolling forever and ever and ever, um, you know, all the sponsored ads and my friends and the pictures of the dogs and the memes, uh, that's not there. And that's kind of wonderful for me because that automation uh, that automatically blocks me from seeing it is helping me not just fall into that same old bad habit. Uh, on my phone, I have something similar. I have actually been using the screen time program that's uh, built in with the iPhone uh, for a few months now just to kind of track how much time I was using. Uh, but then I finally put the password protection on it after a few more weeks. So around the winter holidays, I decided, you know what, <laughs> um, after the, our 2020 election, um, the news cycle was just bursting with information and we're in the middle of a pandemic and there's a lot to read about. Uh, I don't want to get political, but there's just a lot to read about, uh, no matter who you are. And I found myself being on my phone a lot. So 
I do a lot of my work in the early morning before my kids wake up. I wake up often at three or four in the morning. Uh, it used to be two o'clock in the morning. I'd work my five hours or whatever it is before the rest of my family would wake up. And so when my kids were awake and at school, I was overseeing them. I was running the laundry, sometimes putting away the dishes. My husband does that more than I do, but um, I was busy helping my children, teaching my kid how to read, but I was also on my phone a lot. Um, these are like, my my daytime hours are probably what most people would consider like their um, evenings or weekends. That would be my daytime hours because of the nature of my schedule. So I started looking at my screen time controls and I was like, oh, holy cow, I was on my phone an average of eight hours a day for the last week. And obviously that was not like an every week thing, but it definitely happened at least once. Um, and I'm a little ashamed to admit that. But so I said, okay, I'm going to put a screen time password on my phone. And I set a limit for myself for some of the apps that I generally find myself wasting time on. There's some that I need access to all the time, my maps and my messages. You know, there's things that are important that might come through that I should check. Um, and then my fingers have that habit. Like, I feel like there's certain things that you actually can develop muscle memory and you don't have to think about. Um, like I said, playing the piano, I could just play that song almost in my sleep. Well, my fingers started to figure out that passcode for my uh, screen time protection. And all of a sudden, I'd be like, three hours later, I'd be like, what? <laughs> I unlocked it 15 times to continue reading this for, you know, three hours. So I have learned, oh, I need to take that app off my phone. Or I need to bury it into a folder. And sure enough, within about a week or two, my fingers will just automatically find my way there. I am, I am taking ownership. There was some decision at some point uh, where I decided, oh, I should override this passcode and just go ahead and, and continue on. Um, but at some point, it definitely becomes that habit. So I brought my phone to my husband and, and I don't feel like I'm a child or anything like this, but I just said, hey, honey, I am trying to down, uh, downsize my screen time. Would you be willing to put a password that I don't know onto my phone for some of these apps? It's not going to be all day, every day. And some of them I'm allowed to use for, I, I think I gave myself, this is um, maybe way too much for some people, but less than others. But I think right now my goal is to be on my phone no more than two hours and 45 minutes. Don't ask me how I got to that number, but that's what I came up with. Um, and some of my phone work is work, like literally like communicating with people and answering emails and things like that. So um, and also screen times counting um, maps. So like sometimes I'm in drive-in or I'm using map. And on those days, sometimes I'll override that for that. Um, and he's like, okay. And he put a number in for me. He, he thought of a word and, um, <laughs> and locked my phone for me. And I didn't need to ask him to unlock it much in that first week. I think I only came to him maybe two or three times. Um, the next week or so, I started coming to him more often and be like, hey, can you just pop your number in? And then eventually one day, I think I was out driving and I was trying to get to a destination, but the address was in an app that I had locked um, that had already, the time limit for me for that day had run out and that place I was trying to get to, it was um, locked inside of an app with my passcode that I didn't know. And I called my husband. I was like, you just have to tell it to me. I'll try not to remember it. Um, well, after I did that two or three times over the next couple of weeks, then I remembered it. And now I've just been back on my phone. And so I can see that my screen time usage has gone, had gone down like 20% every week. And now it's like up 40% and I'm trying to get back down again. So definitely these are things that you can think about as far as, you know, what is a routine? What is a habit? Is it something that I'm going to be able to eventually automate in my own life, just uh, habitually doing something um, almost semi-consciously? Or is it something that I am going to procrastinate and I need to be more intentional about? If you want help in this area, I am willing to do some daily accountability with people. Uh, there is, uh, on my website, I am starting a membership. And this is totally in the making. We are still in the development process. We just got the website up. I have a few experts who I've been talking with that are, are going to be able to help offer some additional support beyond what I can do if you feel like you might need even more. Um, so if you want to have access to resources that help people who work from home, not just literally setting up your office equipment or your internet security or something like that, but if you want help with those routines, 
you know, or breaking some bad habits uh, by replacing them with new habits. Or if you want to have a conversation with someone to identify some ways that you could maybe increase your productivity or routines, I would love to talk with you. This is something that I have been dedicating a lot of time to and enjoy talking to people about. I've had uh, a few meetings that have been really interesting and insightful and have set up um like a little bit of accountability thing where you can plug something in every single day. It takes maybe two to four minutes. Uh, if you wanted to spend more time on it, you could. But my goal, based on some of my own experience with reporting to a coach, um, was to keep it as minimal as possible. Just to be like, I know that I'm going to have to tell someone at the end of the day what I did. Um, or I'm going to make a few goals for tomorrow. Or these are the habits that I'm working on. And if you can type fast, um, you should be able to get it done in, I would say, two to four minutes. So if that's something that you're interested in exploring, um, want to have a conversation about, I would be happy to have you pop in and we can do a call uh, and no charge. That um, the information, there's more information on the website, yesdayworkfromhome.com, and you can go to membership. So if you want to explore my website a little bit, there is the membership section uh, that is still in development. We are working on it. Anyone who signs up in the next month or two is going to help build that. Uh, based on the feedback that I get from you, we will make some tweaks. We will adjust some things. We can add things um, based on the things that I know that people are uh, needing. Uh, I've done quite a bit of market research, and so I have an idea of what some people are looking for as far as like resources in a library we will be putting in building. Uh, but if there's something that you could see that might be helpful, talk to me. I, I'm open and interested in, in talking with you. Uh, I would love to turn this into something that is uh, growing and that you could be part of and building. Another thing I just wanted to mention is that my podcast is also hosted on my website. And if you want to view the video, it's all there. If you want to read the transcript, some of them are there. Uh, my When I took this pause from uh, recording my, my podcast for a few months, uh, the lady who's helping me with the transcribing has also taken a pause. So uh, some of those are, are completely finished and some of them are in the works. So I'm going to be helping uh, get some of those back up again too. Um, but if you want to dig around on the website and give me feedback on that, I'm open. I have uh, some help with that. and uh, Or if you want to help me with some transcription, reach out to me. I am uh, hunting for someone to help me even for a few months. I appreciate that. Um, another thing is... I think I mentioned at the beginning, if you want to be a guest on the show, there is a place that you can go to and fill out the application. Um, one more thing is I am trying to expand some of my social media presence. Now, this is a little new and a little uncomfortable, a little vulnerable for me. Um, I've never really been on Instagram. So I'm starting an Instagram page, and I would love it if a few people would come out and interact with me, especially people who work from home, because what I'm doing is I'm posting a new question of the day, every day, um, sometimes maybe even more than one. Uh, it kind of depends on how it got scheduled out. But question of the day, uh, it can be about habits, about your work layout, your uh, your food, your routines, that, the things that you have in your home that affect the way that you work, um, the people that you have in your home that might affect the way that you work. Uh, so it's just kind of all there. I'm trying to be very holistic and cut, catching a lot of things. So I actually created I think 25 different categories that I'm trying to cover and um, just all of them related to working from home living from home and making it work so go ahead and find me on TikTok I'm doing the question of the day on TikTok I'm doing question of the day on Instagram sometimes they're not the same question on the same social media platform um, and I will be trying to do more Facebook uh, posts and lives so or even stories that's something I've never done before uh, so uh, if you can encourage me by showing up and uh, interacting on some of those places, I would love it. It would make me more motivated to keep it up. Uh, we do have a Facebook group for people who work from home. I think it's a Yes, I Work From Home community. And that's a Facebook group. There's also the Yes, I Work From Home page that you can like. And April K. Malone it stands for Christine. So if you want to find me in any of those places, you might be able to see me going live uh, more often. I am open to answering questions or doing a Q&A, uh, talking about frequently asked questions um, and topics. And actually, if you are interested in being live and uh, or being interviewed, uh, 
I can do one or, or the other. We can interview for the web, website or I can come on to, like, say, Facebook and do a live with you, um, ask you the question of the day. We can keep it short and simple. Um, but I'm looking for more interaction there. So looking forward to hearing from you and catch you next time. This has been Yes, I Work From Home. And my name is April Malone. See you.